Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff After Hours Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired as a detective sergeant out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And joining me tonight is the very capable, very Italian, straight from Brooklyn, <laughs> detective second grade, Phil Grimaldi. Welcome to the show tonight, Phil. No Joe Pesci. <laughs> no Joe Pesci. I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> you but, don't. Uh, Joe, Joe's, uh, Phil's getting very popular. I almost called him Joe. Phil's getting very popularly. I'm getting a little nervous. You know, he's getting more popular than me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, folks, um, we're uh, if you like this show and you're not yet subscribed, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Give a thumbs up. Ring that bell. Also, if you really love us and you want to pay for extra uh, content, uh, we have three levels on our Patreon. Number one is called The Bucket. That's $7 a month. Number two is called Polish My Rack. That's $9 a month. And the premier one that most people want to be for eleven dollars a month, you get to be dipped in butter, and that's right on the screen there. And that's uh, <laughs> that's the premier for eleven dollars a month. A lot of stuff happening in New York City. Yeah, Phil's got the mug right there. Dipped the in dipped, butter mug. The dipped in butter mug. A lot of things happen in New in New York City. I don't know if uh, the Democratic um, nominee for mayor. Um, they use this thing called rank choice voting. Well, you don't just pick one candidate. You vote for one, and and in descending order, two, three, and four, and five. And I don't understand exactly how that works. But as candidates lose their second or third choice, if they're still in the race, they'll get their votes. So apparently, Eric Adams is still leading, I believe, by like nine points over Maya Wiley. But the the Daily News said that Catherine Garcia the um, sanitation commissioner under de Blasio actually moved into second place. And apparently not till this Tuesday coming up will the Democratic nomination for mayor be known. So it's very important since probably, it's very, as you know, the Democratic nominee for mayor probably will be the mayor. I'm, I'm not going to uh, discount Curtis Sliwa or Bill Pepitone, but the way this city goes, it's heavy, heavy-duty Democrat. And that's the way it looks. We have two unbelievable shows coming up. On Thursday night, we have a guy named Seth Barron who has a book out called Last Days of New York. And you guessed it, folks. Guess who he blames the whole thing on? Yeah, that handsome guy in the left corner of this flyer. If you're listening, there's a picture of the, the evil de Blasio in the left corner. And he blames the last days of New York, Seth Barron, on uh, that handsome fella on the left side of that uh, if you're listening to this, there's a picture of de Blasio on the flyer. And on Friday night, this was a real find. I got a call from a fellow uh, NYPD officer, actually a street crime cop named Joe Belcastro, who told me I have a great guest for you. And his name is Jonathan Alpelier, and he's a war uh, correspondent, but, but a photographer. And he has a book out called The Shattered Lens, and he was imprisoned by Syrian rebels for 80 days. So that promises to be an, an amazing show. That's Friday night at 7 p.m. So I'm actually burning the midnight oil on all these extra shows, trying to uh, get you guys all the content I can get. One of the things we're going to talk about today, though, is we're going to talk about the crime spike in New York City. And I think it's, it's pretty evident to everyone what's going on and uh, us folks who are Bill, Bill, let me cut you off for a second, please. Sure. I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to while you were on the subject of the two upcoming shows, 
Those seem like fantastic guests. I can't even imagine what that guy must have went through being imprisoned by the Syrian rebels. I think you said it was. Or yes, abs yeah, absolutely. 80 days. That Those are going to be two very exciting shows, obviously. But last night's show, I got to tell you, Bill, <laughs> I have to say thank you for making me be a part of it. I enjoyed it. Uh, those two guys were great characters, uh, great uh, members of law enforcement. And uh, I really think that uh, we're doing, you're doing a great job with these shows and you're coming up with some fantastic guests and keep it coming, Billy. Phil, thank you so much. And you were a huge part of last night's show. You know what I felt like last night's show was my goal on these shows. And I say it to you all the time is just to have a conversation because exactly. people love to hear cops having a normal conversation with our expertise, but having a conversation, it's almost like cop talk, but with jokes. We got sure. some funny. Joe Pistone's got a great, besides being a superstar in law enforcement, he's got a great personality. Absolutely. Uh, Bob, absolutely. Bob Stockman, his sidekick. What a nice, nice guy. Another, you know, law enforcement legend, you know. And yeah, it, yeah. it was just great to spend that time with them. And you make it very easy because, you know, you got you got the lingo down. You got the rap down. They loved it. They loved talking to you. And it was really. Yeah, yeah. They, they were two good guys, too. And you could see that we kidded around a little bit. And they let it roll off their shoulders. They gave it right back to us. And everything really was good. I thought it was an excellent show. And I think uh, a lot of questions that I had were answered uh, on those interviews with regard to uh, the Donnie Brasco movie and all. So uh, he's an interesting character. And I think he's. Uh, very intelligent when it comes to this stuff, obviously. And I, I thought it was really just an interesting show. So. Yeah, you know, and the, he's, he's sharp as a tech. I mean, it, it's unbelievable yeah. how sharp he is, you know? Absolutely. Well, let's get to what we're going to talk about. Let's get to what the, uh, the matter at hand is tonight. Yeah, what we're yeah. going to talk, talk about tonight. Actually, this is the flyer we made for this show. And for folks that are listening, there's pictures of two handsome guys, one on the left and one on the right. It's me and Phil Grimaldi. But Oh, yeah. What uh, what we're going to talk about, there's, there's been a couple of shootings in Times Square in the last month or so. And that picture of Alyssa Vogel, who we actually met at Joe Lisi's restaurant, Bordeaux. She's a hero. She picked up that baby that was shot and ran into the ambulance. On the right part of this flyer, there's a guy named Ethan Williams. And you talk about a horror for any parent. Ethan Williams uh, rented a... Uh, a uh, RBO, what is it? VRBO, Airbnb, or, uh, Airbnb in Bed Stuy, and he was he, not being from the area. He was sitting on the stoop late at night, and these gangbangers got in a gunfight, and he caught one in the chest. DOA, age of twenty years old, twenty, 20 years old. I mean, just think of your anyone that's a parent out there of losing your son. The kid apparently is a great kid, and he caught a stray round. And you know something. The NYPD, as all you guys know, is handicapped in their efforts these days by a horrendous mayor and a horrendous city council. Some of the things that they preclude them in doing is these major investigations on these gangbangers. They'd rather pay gangbangers money not to commit violent acts or send social workers towards them. But look yeah, at this. Yeah, like that's going to work. Well, you know, we saw even, uh, Phil, we saw even in that, that shooting, it was in... Um, I believe it was in uh, the Bronx, and in I'm gonna Bronx, I'm gonna bring that yeah. up in a second. Horrendous! Two gangbangers. The victim was a gangbanger too, and that's why you know he, he's getting targeted. And it's it's like, you know, people act like, oh my God, why are they shooting that poor man? Well, because he's a player. He's a player. You know, he's involved. He's involved in criminality. You know, and uh, it, it, it's it's just incredible. And then when 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 you try to bring these guys uh, 
let me just i'm going to play the first i'll share the first one here and uh i'm going to add it to the stream camera two kids diving for cover as a gunman opens fire narrowly escaping the bullets janae norman has more on how this is just the latest in a series of incidents involving children caught in the gunfire. This morning, terrifying surveillance video of two children frantically dodging bullets. Police now searching for the gunman who opened fire on a Bronx sidewalk, leaving a 10-year-old girl and her five-year-old brother diving for safety, miraculously unharmed, as the shooter brazenly unloads about a dozen bullets on his apparent target. The 24-year-old victim hit three times in the back and legs, but is expected to survive. I'm disgusted. I'm going to be honest with you. It's uh, very alarming. This shooting, just the latest in a wave of gun violence across the country. Subjects, no circles of gun in the area, firing off several rounds. A gunman in Arizona going on a highway shooting spree that left one dead Thursday. And multiple people, including a four-year-old girl, were shot in a crowded Times Square last month when an argument erupted into gunfire. Gun violence spiking since the pandemic began. There were nearly 4,000 more shooting deaths in 2020 than the year before, a 25% increase. And too often, children are caught in the crossfire. You know, Phil, it's like, it's sort of ridiculous in a way that... Um, they're trying to blame this on on the pandemic, you know, which really had basically nothing to do with this. You know, uh, they, they, they're gangbangers, you know, and, and they don't like there's two different philosophies. You and I know it, it's the, the left will blame it on gun control, but none of these gangbangers are using legal guns. You know, they're using illegal guns. So it's like. What are they talking about? What are they missing here? You know, what are they what are they missing, Phil? Well, right off the bat, the defund the police movement is clearly been going on since last summer. Uh, it gained a lot of steam. It was a, a catchy phrase, and uh, a lot of uh, different areas of the country actually did defund the police uh, police departments. Specifically in New York, they took a billion dollars out of the budget of the NYPD. And then now the politicians, they're trying to spit it and say that the Republicans didn't vote for a bill, that the money could have went to the police. It's all nonsense. It's all bullshit. Uh, there's a, an uptick in crime. That first video that you showed, that was a clear disregard for human life. He wanted to kill his target. He didn't care who was in the way. The target picks up tries to pick up two little children. That's what I saw in the video. I mean, whether or not he was trying to hide, to me, it looked like he was trying to shield himself with two young little children. By the grace of God, they weren't struck with any bullets. Thank God. And, you know, the guy just kept on firing. His accomplice who was on the scooter, on the motorcycle that drove him there, whatever it was, I think it was a scooter, was yelling out, kill him, kill him. So you have bloodthirsty gangbangers in the streets of the city. You used to have anti-crime, they got rid of uh, stop, question, and frisk, and the gang units have pulled back. I mean, the gang units, the gang suppression units in the NYPD were very, very effective. They were taking guns off the street. They were taking 30, 40 guys at a time off the streets and putting them in jail. The, there were a couple of judges that were giving these guys high bail. A lot of the judges, a lot of times, don't 
play along with the prosecutors and they try to, you know, uh, sympathize with them. I think they were afraid of the gangbangers. But there was a couple of judges, uh, specifically there was a Judge Balter in, in Brooklyn that was giving these guys high bail. Now, it's really not that hard to figure out. If you defund the police, you take away anti-crime, you take away stop, question, and frisk, and, you know, you basically, I think you said to me earlier, Bill, it's like putting a scarecrow in, into uh, a cornfield and the crows are sitting there all over them because the cops can't do anything. <laughs> That's it right. really is. That's I mean, right. that was a great analogy. So uh, the gun violence is out of control. I feel bad for the chief of department, Rodney Harrison. He said he's disgusted. And I'm sure he was a proactive cop. He went through the ranks as a detective. He's an undercover. He went right up the ranks. And I'm sure he is disgusted. Unfortunately, though, the guy that you showed in the beginning of this uh, this episode our uh, fearless Mayor de Blasio is clueless on how to deal with crime, has a different agenda. He wants to defund the police and he wants to destroy New York City. And half the time he's probably stoned on pot. And, uh, you know, it, it's disgusting what's going on in our city. I mean, that 21 year old kid came here. You know, he was going to explore New York City. He took yeah, a, Phil, a, Phil on, that th on that thought. Let me just play the video to that. Let's so this morning, our first glimpse of the suspected Times Square shooter caught on video, who police say is the man in the red and black jacket opening fire in the packed tourist Mecca. A young man visiting with his family from upstate New York caught in the crossfire. Moments later, video shows the victim miraculously standing up after being shot in the back near 7th Avenue and 45th Street Sunday evening. Medics then took the 21-year-old Marine, identified by police sources as Samuel Poulin, to the hospital. It's it's scary, man. I hate the world like this. We're from uh, we're from South Carolina, and it's pretty scary. It honestly is. It makes us kind of nervous. It happened almost in the exact same location as last month's triple shooting involving innocent bystanders, including a four-year-old Brooklyn girl. The suspect in that case, a sidewalk hustler, was tracked down and arrested in Florida. The back-to-back -back shootings giving pause to tourists who've come back to the city after COVID and amid a surge in gun violence citywide. What if that was us over here? Something that happened. I'm scared to think about. We could have been walking up the street at the same time that this was happening, so I'm glad that that wasn't the case. And mine got to celebrate her birthday, and we were fine, but it was just a really bad situation. Unbelievable, right? It's like, uh, Phil, one of the things that we know, both of us were brought up on the whole CompStat philosophy and the enforcing of quality of life. And at least it seems these two incidents in Times Square had to do with like unlicensed vendors getting into beefs with each other. And because the police are not, they're not allowed to enforce the laws with that, these vendors basically rule the roost and they're bringing guns and they're settling their disputes with guns. And here we have, you know, an innocent, a Marine, an innocent bystander gets, gets shot in the back. You don't have anti-crime out there. You don't have proactive enforcement. So the crossroads of the world where people come to spend billions of dollars a year is being risked over some sidewalk mutts who are have illegal selling illegal wares that are getting into disputes makes a hell of a lot of sense. You know, usually a thing like this, when it affects tourism in New York City, it gets the attention of the politicians. But there's been one, there's been two, there's been numerous incidents in Times Square recently. It doesn't seem to be getting the attention of the politicians. And like you said, when we had the broken windows policy and they were going after the quality of life, these vendors 
were being targeted. They were given summons or being arrested. Their stuff was being confiscated. What they do is the, the ones that with the CDs, they'll walk over to a tourist and say, here, this is my rap CD. You know, it's for free. And then when they take it, they go, wait a second, let me sign it for you. And they pull out a script though, and they sign it and they go, but now that I gave you my autograph on it, it's worth money. You got to give me $5. And then they do like a forced robbery. You know, if you don't give it to me, they become belligerent. So they taught, they had a unit that was targeting these individuals. It's been swiped away. It's gone. They don't do it anymore. You don't have stop, question, and frisk anymore. There's no more anti-crime. These guys are not afraid to carry illegal firearms. Bill, you used that word in your last segment, what you said about illegal firearms. Unfortunately, just about every Democratic politician in the country, including the president of the United States, will not use that word, illegal firearms. As soon as stuff starts to happen and crime starts to tick up, they want to go after the Second Amendment and they want to say, well, it's assault rifles. Those two guns, those two shootings that you showed, neither one of them was assault rifle. They were both illegal handguns. And it's clear what we have to do to get things back in order. And the politicians, they just don't want to face it. They don't want to admit that they were wrong about defunding the police, about taking away anti-crime, about all the other things that they did and the stop, question and frisk. So they're just going to throw bullshit at us. That's what it comes down well, to. Well, you know, Phil, you hit it on the head. And I was, uh, and Lieutenant Peter Pranzo's in the chat right now. And he was a great street crime lieutenant back in 1987, 88 when I was there. And there was all kinds of criminals in Times Square that just would use intimidation uh, on the tourists. For example, they would have a, a bottle, a glass bottle in a bag with liquid in it. And they would bump into a tourist, drop it and say, hey, you just broke my $50 bottle of wine. Right, and they would intimidate the tourists into giving them money, and now it you became, gotta pay for it. Yeah, right, and it became a robbery. It became yeah. that bad that in the beginning we were just like, "Hey, guy, get out of here," and then it became so aggressive, and it became such a condition. We started locking them up for robbery, and they were getting indicted. Yeah, now, Bill, you you made a good point. Did uh, when you were in anti-crime, were you a sergeant in anti-crime, or you were? I, well, yeah, but early on, I was in precinct anti-crime as a cop, and then street crime as a cop, and that was a. Okay. a, a a boss in anti-crime. Okay, also. so now you were a boss. Now, this is one of the things that uh, they abolished uh, stop, question, and frisk over. Now, I know when I was in anti-crime, if there was a pattern going on, and I'm sure you were a sergeant, you probably did the same thing. You would look and direct your people into the area, and you'd have descriptions to go on. So that's when you would utilize stop, question, and frisk, that if you saw there was a guy with a black hoodie with – the, the some specific lettering on it, and it was two or three or four or five or six of the robberies, you know that's who you're looking for. So that's who you'd stop. Now, the chances are you might stop someone that wasn't that guy, but that's when you politely, uh, you know, you, you told them why you stopped them, and that was it. But a lot of times you would be able to make a good collar based on using stop, question, and frisk and directing your people into the, the area where the crime took place. And it's really not that difficult. Us as experienced police officers, we know this. And, you know, the politicians, they just want to paint it. Oh, it's racism. Listen, there was a problem with it. It was overused. We went through it on previous segments about uh, uh, it being overused by the Bloomberg administration. But we need it now. It has to come back. If we want to save our city and be able to go to an Airbnb, a tourist, or go into Times Square with your children and go, uh, you know, just enjoy what's going on in Times Square and not get shot, we got to do something. And these are the things that need to be done. You know, 100%. And, you know, I... Uh 
Ed Mullins just did a three-part series where he interviewed former police commissioner Ray Kelly. And in the first episode, Ray Kelly is talking about how much anti-crime is needed. He was an anti-crime sergeant in the 2-3 back in the day. Yeah. And he, and he spoke about anyone that ever worked anti-crime, if you asked them, what was your favorite job on the police department? No matter where they went, how far they went, they say anti-crime was the most fun job I ever Absolutely. worked. I, right? I agree with you on that. Absolutely. You know, speaking of Ray Kelly, when I was a rookie in the 7-1, um, you know, I was walking a football school, do, doing NSU there back in 1983, and he had just gotten to the precinct as a captain. And, uh, you know, a, a job came over and uh, we saw the guys and, you know, I got out to, you know, go toss them. And who pulled up with anti-crime and jumped out and joined in on the toss? Ray Kelly he was a captain at the time. So I'm sure and he was writing with anti-crime. So I'm sure he knows the effectiveness of the anti-crimes in the precincts. And every precinct has their different problems like specifically Times Square is we just talked about all the vendors and all the other you know the cons that they do but a place like Crown Heights when I was there you know you had just out and out street robberies where people were just getting yoked out and and stabbed and shot and robbed for whatever they had jewelry or money so you know anti-crime is is very effective in in all of these cases you know someone in the chat uh, Austin Spriggs I'd like to just address what you just said He's saying uh, it's all right to discuss things, but no point if you can't back it up with proof and you haven't got any because you, USA has some of the loosest gun laws in the world, and also he, that's where he stopped. But New York City and Chicago Wrong. Have, some the, have some of the toughest gun laws in the country, and they have the worst, the worst uh, problem with uh, illegal guns. If he wants facts, he has to look at some of the most violent cities in America, New York, Chicago, L.A., Baltimore have the strictest gun laws. Look it up, my friend. It's there. You can find it. They have the strictest gun laws. The gun laws only prohibit legal guns from being carried. The illegal guns are being trafficked. They're being sold and they're being used. Those two gangbangers that we just saw shooting it out in front of those kids, that was not a, a, a legal gun, I'm sure. That was an illegal handgun. It wasn't an AK-47 that somebody was taking target practice with. So, that, that comment that he made, he's quite wrong about that. He needs to check his facts. Well, you know, Phil, one of the things I always also wanted to say, and I know you've uh, investigated probably hundreds of shootings and hundreds of uh, gang-type shootings. And the thing is, and almost all shootings, what they have in common is that the victim usually doesn't cooperate. And they usually give you the street thing, oh, I'll take care of it myself. And sure. so – I was happy to say that the shooter in the Bronx has been apprehended. I believe they were lo still looking for the guy on the scooter that uh, facilitated his uh, his exit. And I, I'm sure that the, the guy who was the victim uh, is no angel. And I don't know whether he cooperated with detectives or not, but the detectives were able to solve it and uh, lock, the, lock up the shooter anyway. You know, uh, we need a second part of uh, the arrest, though. We need for the prosecutor, the district attorney's office, to ask for high bail, obviously. And then we need the system to keep this guy incarcerated. If you will be shooting at a rival gangbanger and there's two children in the middle of it and you continue to fire that gun, 
total disregard for human life. And, you know, everybody that I know has a special place in their heart for children and for the elderly. Those are the two, two groups that we try to protect the most. And that animal was firing right in between those kids. It's amazing that those kids weren't hit. Just so do you, do you know he was, he was out on parole for a knife point robbery that occurred on the Upper West Side like in January? This, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. If we don't have the cooperation of the district attorney's office to stand tough on these type of things, I mean, why should that guy be walking around the streets carrying a gun and shooting another gangbanger and almost killing those two kids? It sh really shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. No, because, you know, the whole uh, – we used to have it when we came on the job in the 80s, the, the revolving door. You would lock someone up and they would – you know, there was no room at the end back then. That was the term. There's no room at the end. So – Judges used to have to bail them or, you know, they let people go because they just had no place to put them because there were so many people getting locked up back then. But now they just don't want anyone going to the inn. You know, they want to close the inn. Yeah. yeah. It's really ridiculous. Now, think about it for a second as a judge. Let's say you were a judge and you were told, yeah, there's no room at the inn. And you let a guy out and then he goes and killed somebody. That's really got a way on your conscience. I know it would weigh on mine. So, I mean, you know, uh, it's not like the guy was shoplifting. You got a guy that was on parole for a knife point robbery, and then he's out there not long after, and he's firing away and, and, and risking the lives of innocent civilians, children. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. I mean, it really doesn't, you know, when they call it, obviously there's a name for it. They call it catch and release right now. I think that was made famous by a few people, but... If there's no teeth in the law, then what is the sense of, of, of enforcing the law? And, you know, that analogy of a cop these days is relegated to being a scarecrow because he's not proactive. And, you know, then you got the black crows landing on your, on your hat because they know there's no teeth in it. And the same thing we're seeing right now in Washington Square Park. Why are they letting that go on? Why? Why are they letting people take over the park they can establish a curfew and clear out the park. People that live on that park, they, you know, they're taxpayers, they work jobs. There should be a curfew where they don't have to put up with that noise till midnight. But it's like, it's almost like a Seattle type thing. Why are they letting it go on? You, you know, Bill, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of the people that are going to that park to destroy it and carry on like lunatics, they're not from that area. So you got the good people that do live over there and work and they want to enjoy that park. And unfortunately, they can't. There's all kinds of nonsense going on. I mean, they're dancing in the pond naked and drug use and all kinds of crazy things. And you're right, 100 percent. There needs to be enforcement there. What are the laws on the books for? And the police department is got to stand by and allow them to wreak havoc like that and, and keep people up at night. And, and children have to be in the park playing and see somebody dancing around naked in the, in the, uh, in the fountain. I mean, it's crazy. It's insane. And then the drug use, it's just, you know, we, we've let, we've given a lot of rope and we've given a little too much. We need to pull some back in. Uh, the, the laws have to, uh, you know, we, we got to stop being, uh, proactive. We got to enforce them. And the thing is, we need the backing of two things. We need the backing of the politicians and we need the backing of the people of the city. I mean, that's just here, but I mean, across the country, that, that really is uh, what needs to be done. As on the screen, we're seeing uh, some of the stuff that's going on in the park uh, as of last night. Uh, and I'm sure the people that, uh, that live there don't really appreciate. How is this uh, allowed to happen? 
Other arrests were made for disorderly conduct. The Daily Mail is reporting the city will now enforce the midnight curfew at the park now that Pride weekend is over. Many people in that area complaining day in, day out about the weekend noise and the parties that have resulted in violence on some nights. You can't blame them, Rosanna. Can't blame them. Of course they're going to complain. You know, it, it's sort of ridiculous, though, because, you know, and like I, I really appreciate the problems that the people that live on that park have, but these are the same people that are going to vote for uh, another progressive to take over this city. You know, it's like... Uh, what, How true is that? How true is that? I mean, when you look at the candidates, this Maya Wiley and oh God, just some of them really turn your stomach, you know. And uh, it's you know, it's the same policies there. They defund the police types. The only one I guess who's not is Eric Adams. But when of the nine um, Democratic candidates, from my point of view, you were picking the least worst, not the best. You know, which is the least person going to be the least damaging to the NYPD and who's going to enforce the law the, the most, you know, and there wasn't a bunch, there wasn't many promising candidates in that whole crew, you know? No, you know, he called out president Biden the other day when Biden gave his press conference a few days about the national uptick in crime. And he talked about, we're going to get tough on gun laws. Uh, Eric Adams, I got to give him credit. He's not one of my favorites, but like you said, he's the best of the pack that we have. He called him out and said, he believes that it's illegal handguns that are causing the uptick in crime and not uh, stricter gun laws that are going to help these uh, cities throughout the country that are just going through such a, a horrible. I mean, Chicago, it's like uh, it's a massacre what's going on there. Every weekend, 50, 60 people shot, dozens uh, killed, and it just goes on and on and on. And and if you look at Lori Lightfoot, I don't even know how she's elected the mayor. She's completely incompetent, completely incompetent. And she pulls the strings of the police. The mayor controls the police department. That's how it is in, in every city. And, uh, you know, they uh, you look at this stuff and you scratch your head. And the thing that upsets me, and I'm sure you too, Bill, we lived it. We knew it. We went through a time in the police department when things were bad and a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. And we got through it and we made it a lot better. And the city came back and it flourished. And and people got that so, false sense of security, like that young man that went to the Airbnb in, in uh, Bed-Stuy. He looked like he came from a very nice family. And uh, th they did a lot of uh, charity work and stuff like that. And they had this false sense of security to go to Brooklyn and, and you know, explore New York. And the poor kid is sitting on a stoop and uh, shots ring out and he's dead. And it's yeah, terrible. Horrible. It's terrible. Phil, I'm just going to go to a quick uh, commercial. Sure. And uh, I'll do the first one. You can do the second one since you did such a good job last night. Joe Murray's starting to really love you. Uh, folks, if you're looking, you're sick and tired of the crime in New York City, the high taxes around New York State, and you're looking to move down south maybe, Carol Waters is a realtor down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And for years, 20 years exa exactly, she was a bartender at Fitzpatrick's Hotel in Midtown. Her husband, Rob Mayen, was on the NYPD. He rolled over to the FDNY. And together, they're a team that sells real estate down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. In fact, Carol Waters is a million-dollar sale, uh, salesperson down there. So if you're looking to someone for someone who's very knowledgeable about real estate, whether it's a rental home or a buying a condo or buying a home, give Carol Waters a call at 914-261-6681. Or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmyrtlebeach at gmail.com. 
She's one of the best uh, salespeople down there. Okay, Joe Murray, attorney at law. Now, this is no bull. Joe was on one side and now he's on the other side. What I mean by that is Joe was a 15-year veteran of the NYPD, retired, and he became an attorney. And he's a fantastic criminal attorney. Joe could be reached at jmurraylaw.com or you can email him at joe at jmurraylaw.com. He also has a telephone that you could be reaching him at, 646 838 That's 646-838-1702. That's no bull. Joe Murray is a great attorney. He's been on both sides of the fence. So when he tells you he knows what you're going through, he really does know what you're going through. And we went through that last night, Bill, when we talked about him. Joe Murray, a fantastic attorney. jmurraylaw.com. Joe at jmurraylaw.com. If you need an attorney, he's the man. New York area. He's out in Great Neck, but he services all of the New York area. Not that we hope that you get in trouble so Joe gets business. Of course not. <laughs> things <laughs> of course happen, you know. Things can happen, and Joe's, Joe's the guy to turn to. So, you know, we're right now just about uh, entering the month of July, and as you, the heat's out there. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the summer in New York City? Well, I mean, I think it's clear that it, the summer is going to sizzle. And I always noticed an uptick in crime when there was these little heat waves. When I worked in Coney Island in the 6-0 squad, uh, just assaults would go up, shootings would go up. All, all the crime, the heavy felony categories would go up in the heat. Now, we already have it starting up from before the summer. And now that the heat is on and we got a long couple of months ahead of us, I'm going to hope and pray that it doesn't. But I think things don't look good, so I, I would definitely have to say I'm pessimistic about the outlook in not only New York, across the country. There's going to be uh, – it's going to be a horrible summer, unfortunately. It's going to be tough. You know, one of the things, Phil, uh, that after this latest shooting where this, uh, this 21-year-old Marine got hit in the back, the Blasio uh, says, oh, I'm going to flood Times Square with cops. That really is not the answer. The answer is to let the police do their job. And that's right. the problem is that you can have 500 scarecrows or you can have 100 guys being proactive and doing their job. And the 100 proactive guys are going to do a hell of a lot better than 500 scarecrows. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Bill, it's clear. They're not afraid of the police anymore. There's probably a thousand videos, if you go on YouTube, of people getting in cops' faces, giving them the finger, cursing at them, spitting at them. So flooding the area is going to have a small effect, probably a very small effect. What you said, proactive policing, if you took a couple of dozen guys and put them on specific investigations and allowed them to do stop, question, and frisk, you'd see a big change in all of this stuff. There she is. That girl was a real hero. It was a pleasure to meet her at the uh, at Joe Lisi's bar a couple of weeks back. That, that, that was great. In fact, I have a couple of pictures of her there with her partner, too. Yeah. It's, it was really our pleasure to meet them, and I know absolutely the Pranzos were there. Joe Murray was there. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it was it was just great to to. Meet I have those. a couple of pictures in my phone with them too. They were real nice too. You could see they're just good people. Those are the heroes of New York City, right there. And all of the cops that have to put on the vest and the gun belt and the uniform every day and go out there and take the abuse that they're they're taking. I really tip my hat to them, and uh, you know you got to really uh, have a lot of respect for them. You know, it's it's a tough job today. But they're going out there and doing it, and especially the detective bureau who's solving all of these crimes. I got to give a lot of credit to those guys. A big shout out to the detective bureau as well. 
Well, you know, it's funny, Phil. Uh, as we said, uh, one of the keys, at least in Times Square and many other parts of the city, is uh, quality quality of life enforcement, and that that goes a long way because if if they're having a problem with these illegal vendors, and these are the guys that are getting in beefs and shooting at each other, and as a result, so far four people, innocent bystanders, have gotten shot. Maybe we should start enforcing the lower level crimes again, but except. That's not the um, decision of the just the police department. The district attorney has to be on board, and they're not, you know. And uh, it has to be all the way up to the mayor's office. They have to be on board to, uh, you know, to, to enforce these lower level crimes. I think one of the reasons they're afraid to enforce it is because a lot of these people that engage in this activity are minority and they're going to say, well, it's racist. Look who you're locking up. The bottom line is, is that you have to, and I said it before, you have to direct your resources where the problems are and you have to address them. And that's really not uh, that hard to figure out. It's a simple, uh, a simple set of circumstances that you can, you know, you can direct the people to go after these vendors. I mean, they were shooting it out with each other and they didn't even hit each other. They hit the innocent people, you know? So really uh, not that hard to figure out. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, uh, the word racism and anything to do with racist, the minute that word is uttered, people run for the hills. We got to hit it head on. We got to call it what it is. It's crime. It's criminal activity. I don't care what color the people are that are doing it. We have to address it. Or we're just going to give the streets to the perps. We're going to let them run the, the streets. And, you know, there's going to be uh, the Wild West in uh, New York City. And you won't be seeing too many tourists in Times Square if that's the case. Yeah, I, I think we have to also uh, really be more concerned for the potential victims than the people that are perpetrating these crimes. And especially if you want people to go into Times Square, spend their money, feel safe, uh, patronize the restaurants, patronize the, the legal vendors, patronize, you know, the, the hot dog wagons, the theaters down there. Look, wait till the theater district opens again. You know, one of the things when we talk about crime during the pandemic, shootings and homicides went up, but actually robberies went down. And burglaries went down. There's no, no, no uh, secret to that. Burglaries went down because everyone's home. I was right? just going to say everybody was home. Yeah, of course, burglaries. And, went and down. robberies went down because not as many people were out on, on the, the street to be right. victims. Yeah, that, that that's really a simple thing. You know, there's one other thing I want to bring up. Where's El Supremo in this? Governor Cuomo has been very quiet in the last few weeks about this uptick in crime. He's always quick to point out when something happens in the subway system, and he points the finger at the at the Blasio very quickly. But all of this stuff is going on. Where is he in all of this? He, he's trying to keep a low profile. Come on, get with the program, El Supremo. I think he's got his own issues, and uh, he's trying to keep maybe a low profile. So, uh, you know, people. Yeah, don't he's point keeping a low profile while uh, tourists are getting shot in Times Square. That's real nice. That's yeah, I nice. guess, you know, I mean, I think we all agree. And uh, the, the folks that, that we have in, in the chat, we have some superstar former cops, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders, Joe Murray. Uh, you know, we got some uh, Oscar Ferrafino. We, we came up during the whole comp study era when we uh, enforced quality of life. And we all know that that works, but they went a different direction. And I don't know what they expect. When something works, you usually stay with it. But they rewrote the book. They got rid of the blueprints. They got rid of the CompStat blueprints, the broken windows theory blueprints, and they threw them out the window, and they, they took out the uh, 
bail reform uh, blueprints. Oh, one good thing I have to mention is that the uh, diaphragm law is no more. Yes. At least for, at least for now. A yes. judge a judge reversed it, and a retired captain named John Monahan, who owns a sergeant and lieutenant and captain promotional school called The Key, he was the most uh, important witness for that case. The judge actually cited him th uh, three times on something he said. So John Monahan, actually, I'm having him on the show on July 8th, and Joe Murray's going to weigh in on it too because it's a little complicated, and they're going to tell us. And, you know, the judge ruled that the diaphragm law was unconstitutional. So one, we got one, we got one victory so far. We got to get a few yeah. more. He was key to getting that thing overturned. His, his company's his key. company, the key. That's right. Yeah, that, that was great. That was great. And and obviously that was ridiculous, Bill. I mean, come on. The diaphragm law was was there was a million holes in it, and it, it was placing law enforcement officers at a grave disadvantage if they became involved in a physical altercation which happens every day uh, you know uh, many 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 times you know so ridiculous i'm, I'm glad we won that one thank god phil we're at 40 minutes one final words uh about what's going on and uh, final things you got to say well uh i think uh, there's the old saying if it's not broke don't fix it uh none of them are using that kind of logic like you said uh, they got rid of all of the things that we talked about the anti-crime the plain clothes the stop question and frisk uh the bail reform if it's not broke don't fix it and uh it's really not that difficult to figure this out. A lot of it is just common sense. We got to use common sense here. I'm sure that they know it. They're giving us a line of bold politicians, but uh, let the cops do their job. Support them. You know, there, there's good people in this city. There's a lot of good people. I was saying in one of the other previous episodes how people knew I was a cop and my, you know, retired and thanked me for my service. So there are good people, but uh, we got we got to start using some common sense. We need some good politicians to stand behind the cops and you'll see how the people will rise up and uh, support the police as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, absolutely. NG Yang, thank you so much for the 999 super chat. We just wanted to, you know, when we saw this uptick in crime, Phil and I just wanted to address it and how that New York city police, they know how to address it. They know how to reverse it. It's the politicians that don't know. It's the politicians that are handcuffing the police. You let the police do their job. They can reverse this trend before you know it. But it's as Ed Mullen said, it's a problem of leadership. And the worst leader we have in this city happens to be the mayor. So uh, Joe Murray, thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat. And uh, with that, I think that you know we, we just wanted to do a, sh a short show, but we never seem to be able to get out of here in less than 45 <laughs> minutes. I think we just like to talk a lot, you know? Yeah, we're good talkers. That's for sure. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Guys, um, uh, Phil Grimaldi is going to do a lot of shows with me now uh, on real crime stories. Mark uh, is is still going to do police off the cuff and do other shows, but uh, comedy's opened up again for Mark, so he's he's getting a lot of uh, work uh, as a stand up comic, which you guys all know he is. Good so for he's, him. He's gonna, yeah, he's and he's going to be you know missing here and there. So I found Phil on a on a Brooklyn street corner, and I said, uh, "Let me bring this guy in. I li I like the way he looks." I like, I, 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 you know, he has that, he has that great Brooklyn look. Diane Wilson, thank you so much for the final super sticker. And I guess uh, we're going to have to say goodnight. I hate, you know, I feel like we could keep talking, but uh, all the police off the cuff, real crime stories fans. Thank you so much. We have some real amazing shows coming up. Seth Barron this Thursday, who wrote the book, the last days of New York. 
And on uh, Friday night, the Shattered Lens war photographer, Jonathan Alpiri. So uh, I saw that- Seth a few times on the news. He's fantastic. That's going to be a great show. And then the other one on Friday, I'm sure, will be fantastic. Too. Looking forward to them. Phil, thanks again. And all Police Off the Cuff fans, thank you so much for listening, watching. Everyone have a safe weekend and have a great night. Stay safe. Happy 4th of July. That's right.